tonight, if you would, uh, if you have your Bible this evening, and find the 16th chapter of the book of Matthew tonight. So we are continuing our study through the book of Matthew. And tonight we're going to be looking at keeping the main things, the main things. We started that last week as we finished up chapter 15 and the feeding of the 4,000. And uh, I hope that you know that when the Bible was written, um, Matthew chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, and the headings were not in there, right? Over the years, Bible scholars have added those headings and broke them down into chapters. And if there was one point where uh, chapter 15 and 16 should have been combined because it is a continuous situation, at least the first part of chapter 16, uh, up to verse 12, they all go together. And so uh, I don't want you to think of, well, Jesus fed the 4,000 and he healed the multitudes and he healed the Gentile woman's uh, uh, daughter and the situations in chapter 14, many touch him are on and are made well. Chapter 14, Jesus walks on the sea. Jesus feeds the 5,000. There's just miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And if you've ever had a child who doesn't listen well, uh, I can think of that as how Jesus must have felt to the Pharisees. Uh, because Jesus has healed and he's healed and he's healed and he's worked and he's moved and he's done all these things to show them that he was the Messiah that had been promised in the Old Testament that he was the one who had fulfilled all of these miraculous events that were going to be happening. And the Pharisees show up in chapter 16 and say, we want to see something. We want a sign. And Jesus begins to really correct them. And tonight I want you to know that there are three things, I think, tonight that is uh, something that we need to focus on if we're going to keep the main things the main things. And I'm going to give you the points tonight, and then we will talk about them as we go through. The first is, there is a warning for the wicked. God warns the wicked. Second thing tonight I want us to look at is the wake-up call to the disciples. And that is to you and I, those of us who have fallen asleep at the will, you might ask. We've gotten lazy or complacent in our walk with God, and the Lord wants us to wake up. And third and finally tonight, I want to talk about the witness and work of the faithful. And so tonight, as you listen to this sermon, I want you to think about no one else but you. Because you know what we do? We'll say, well, my wife, she needs to wake up. I tell you, she's, she's, she's just dead as they come when it comes to, to her relationship with the Lord. Or as, as Baptists, we look at each other sometimes and think, well, boy, that was dead. And, and they're spiritually dead. I wish they had some fire in them, but tonight all you can control is you, that you are making the main things the main things. And so tonight, if you are a religious Pharisee or Sadducee, tonight this message is to you. You fit into the wicked. Tonight, if you are a believer who has served God faithfully for many, many years and have kind of put it on cruise control, the wake-up call is for you. And tonight, if you are where God wants you to be and you are growing and thriving in your relationship with Jesus, I want you to listen to that third point because Jesus has a witness and a work for you to do tonight. So wherever you're at in your relationship with the Lord, one of these categories, if not all of them, 
applies to you. And so if you will pray with me, we're going to go right to God's word. Father, tonight I thank you for who you are and how you love us. Father, I pray tonight that you would give me unction from on high, or that you would give me the clarity of mind to think and to speak in a way that honors you. Father, I ask for your forgiveness because, Lord, you know that I am a sinner. Lord, that I struggle, that I fall short, that I fail in so many ways. And so, Lord, tonight I pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work. Lord, that you would do great things, not just us have another time of gathering, but, Lord, that you would work in hearts and lives. And, God, that you would save, that you would change marriages and families and situations all for your glory. So, Lord, I believe that your word can do that and the Spirit can change people. And so, Father, we ask it all in Jesus' name tonight. And all God's people said, Amen. So if you're taking notes tonight, I want you to see here the warning for the wicked. The warning for the wicked, starting in verse 1 of chapter 16. Then the Pharisees and the Sadducees came, and testing him, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. That's why I said he has just literally done miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, and they show up wanting a sign. It's kind of like when you ask your kids 37 times before you leave the house, does anybody need to pee? Does anybody need to pee? And yes, I just said that from the pulpit, and I'm sorry if that offends you. And you get in the car, and you get halfway to Mount Vernon, and there are no bathrooms anywhere, and someone says... I can't believe you said that in church. No, it happens to us every single time. We're in Walmart for seven hours and 14 minutes shopping. Does anybody need to go to the bathroom? No, no. Are you sure? You all go in there just in case, right? And the gray army goes into the bathroom. And, you know, our girls still use girls' bathrooms, and I still use the boys' bathroom. It's a strange concept, but it is the way it is. And so, right, we come out, we get in the car, we're good to go. There should be no issues, none at all. I tell you what, I'm so thankful for that new truck stop going in south of Mount Vernon because it never takes about right there, someone's got to go. Right? And then it's the whole way home. I just can't hold it. I just can't make it. And as a parent, you're thinking, have children, they said. It would be fun, they said. But this is what Jesus was dealing with. He had just worked and worked, and the Spirit of God was moving, and lives were being changed. And this group of people show up and say, and testing him, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 2. He answered and said to them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. And so they had, uh, before the days of the Weather Channel and the Weather App, and just so you know, if you've tried to call me this evening, I dropped my phone in the hallway here at church today, and it is not working. Totally kaput. And so I cannot see what's going on. I can hear that you're calling. I can hear that you're texting, but I cannot see it. And so if you have tried to get a hold of me today, the Lord has finally answered my prayers. But uh, that's a joke. That is a joke. That was, I'm just kidding. But uh, so they had gotten to a place where they could watch the sky and watch how things were and have a pretty good indication of what the weather was like. And they prided themselves on that. And Jesus says in verse 3, hypocrites, 
You know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the sign of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no shine shall be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed. You see, if you remember back in chapter 12 uh, of Matthew in verses 39 and 40, uh, we see this very same thing. We want a sign from you. And he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And we know that that was Jesus predicting his death and uh, that Jonah was as good as dead for three days and three nights in the belly of a fish. And we know that Jesus was going to go to the grave and be dead in the grave for three days and then he would arise. He would come back to life. And so he is saying, you're not going to get anything more than the resurrection from the dead. You are going to see and witness me conquer death. And so I think that is amazing tonight for a couple different reasons. One, the people who thought they were religious were not. And what is this problem with the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Jesus declares it specifically in one word when he says, hypocrites. You see, the religious leaders of the day thought they had everything figured out about God. They thought they knew the Old Testament scriptures better than anyone else. They thought that they were the ones that were to rule and reign over people. They had added all kinds of rules and regulations that bound people. And yet when Jesus came and he fulfilled all of the prophecies of the Old Testament, they wouldn't listen. They would not accept what God was doing. And so look here in verse 4 because I think this is an amazing thing. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. I think it is important to note tonight that I do not believe that it is wrong for you to pray and want God to reveal himself. I believe that is something we all should want. Lord, reveal yourself through the scriptures. Lord, show us who you are through the songs and the worship of who you are. We should want to know more about the God that we serve and more about his compassion, more about his mercy, more about his forgiveness, more about who he is and his attributes. But what they were wanting was not a sign or not who Jesus was. They were wanting to know more, but not know more for the right reasons. They wanted to know more, and they wanted to prove that he was not who he said he was. Listen to how Paul describes this situation in the 10th chapter of the book of Romans. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel, the same group of people, is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. What is the righteousness of God? One, the righteousness of God is the fact that he is perfect. But what he's talking about here is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the righteousness of God. He is the one who imputes or gives to us his righteousness at salvation and takes on our unrighteous punishment of sin and death and the grave. 
And so he says there, man, they're zealous. They've got a passion. But their passion is not based on Jesus. And friends, and I don't want you to miss this tonight. You can be passionate about your local church and die and go to hell. You can be passionate about the sanctity of human life. You can be passionate about biblical marriage. You can be passionate about missions. You can be passionate about whatever it is, whether you can be passionate about a faith that's not biblical, but yet none of it is enough to get you to heaven. And so, friends, tonight I want to say this, and I mean no disrespect, and I mean no insult to anyone, but friends, if a religion changes who Jesus is, whether it is a Mormon faith, whether it is a Jehovah Witness faith, whether it is the Islamic faith, whether it is a Buddhist faith, it is not a faith in a person who can get you to heaven. And so you can be religious, you can be zealous, you can go knocking on doors, you can do all of these things to honor your religion and honor your faith. But if your faith is not based upon what Paul here says, the righteousness of God, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who has always been God, who is God in the person of the Trinity, who has lived a forever, who was not created. He's not a brother of Satan. He's not a, a child in the sense that God created him. He is divine. And that he willingly took on the flesh and was born in a manger. That he lived a perfect and sinless life. That he was fully God and fully man. And that he died willingly upon a cross. Not figuratively. He didn't leave the cross while he was taking the punishment. No, the punishment for your sin and mine was placed upon him. He was buried, dead, cold for three days, and then by the power of God, he arose. Friends, you cannot change who Jesus is, not in the slightest, and be considered covered by the righteousness of Jesus. And so tonight I want you to know that that's the warning for the wicked. Tonight you might be a wicked church member. Tonight you might be a wicked person who just stumbled in here for the first time. But tonight I want you to know that there is a warning that is given. God warns the wicked. God pleads with the wicked. God has given us everything we need to recognize who he is. The second thing I want to show you tonight, if we're keeping the main things the main things, is the wake-up call to the disciples. Starting in verse 5 tonight. Now, I know some of you, like Gary, has been here for five hours of meetings today. So, wake up over there in that back corner. So, he said I'd have to dance or something to keep him awake. So, if you see Gary fall asleep over there, pinch him. But, uh, but in verse 5, it says, Now, when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. They're worried. We've offended Jesus because we forgot the bread. Once again, God bless bread. Amen. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, O you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? nor the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many large baskets you took up. How is it that you do not understand that I did not speak of you concerning bread? 
but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And we're going to stop right there. You see, in their mind, they didn't have what they need. And because they didn't have a little of what they needed for God to make more of it, they thought, well, we failed. God can't do anything. God can't work. God can't move. And Jesus says, I'm not talking to you about bread. He said, I'm talking to you about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And what does he say here in verse 12? Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You see, tonight he was telling them, don't follow the way of hypocrisy. Don't follow the way of wickedness that they have followed. And this is so important tonight because he is telling them, wake up. You're taking for granted what I'm doing. You are present and you are watching and you are participating. It's kind of like I like to say the light is on, but there is no one home. Right? They had witnessed what he was doing. They were watching and they were even handing out the bread and the fish for him. But yet at this time, they have grown complacent. They have they've not understood. And he just tells them, wake up. Listen to what I'm saying. Don't miss the point. And so he is saying the warning for the wicked, but there is a wake-up call to the disciples. And friends, tonight you can know the Word of God. And tonight you can know what the Bible tells us to do. And you can recite the books of the Bible in order. You can tell us your favorite verse. But friends, don't get so caught up in doing the things of God. Don't get so caught up doing the ministry of God. That you don't hear from him. Bible verses can be memorized. But never change your heart. They can cause you to grow cold. Do you know that memorizing your Bible. And being able to win Bible trivia. Can cause you great pride. And tonight I want you to know. That you cannot just be around Jesus. You can't just be around his word. You have to not only be around him. But you have to listen to him. You have to hear what he is wanting for your life and in mine. Listen to how the book of Revelation describes this to the church of Sardis in chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. And to the angel of the church, it says here, it's written to a group of believers. It's group written to either a pastor or the angel of the church. Wherever you fall on that theological belief, good for you. These things say, he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works. That you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain and that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you received and heard, hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief. And you will not know what hour I will come upon you. He says, wake up. He says, don't neglect these things. Don't miss them. Do you see how he says there, hold fast and repent? You know, sometimes you and I lose things. And some of you are the age where you lose a lot more things than usual. But sometimes you will lose things because you set it down somewhere and you forget it. Sometimes you lose things down because you put it somewhere and someone else takes it. 
But if today you had something very valuable and I walked up to you and tried to take it from you, you would not forget forever. You would say, Jake tried to take the cookie out of my hand. Can you believe that? It would be something that would remind you and you would say, I'm going to hold fast to this. I'm going to hold fast to this because it's mine. And tonight I want you to know something. Many of you have fallen in your faith because you have just put it down. You've just grown weary. You've gone to a point where Bible reading doesn't have the same excitement and joy as it used to be. Coming to church doesn't mean as much because you've listened to me now for 10 years. And sermons are the same many times. Examples and stories have been repeated Sometimes the hard feelings and hurts over the years affect your ability to worship. Same can be said about song services. It's easy to sing the same old songs the same old way and get in a repetition that it's great to be here, but what has God done for me? Tonight I want you to hear that verse 2 again from Revelation 3. Be watchful. You have to wake up to be watchful. Most of us have put away the things of God. Most of us don't believe that Jesus could come back at any moment. And I believe he could. I'm praying that he does. But most of us have gone cold to the things of God. Baptist preachers been shouting and stomping and screaming for years that Jesus could come at any time. And yet we've sat through service after service after service. There's only one thing I can tell you about when Jesus is coming back. No matter where your theological position is, is today is closer than it was yesterday. And if the Lord tarries, tomorrow will be closer than today. I know that's a great theological truth that you've never thought about. And so you are welcome. But be watchful. Tonight I ask you that. Do you not watch what is happening in our country? It's because God's people have watched and done nothing. It's because God's people have watched and not cared. It's because we've stood by and watched the atheist and the liberalist and the liberal and the secularist and the humanist take over everything from governments to, to local institutions, from literature, and we've stood by and done nothing. It's time for God's people to stand up. It's time for God's people to stand up and say, listen here, I don't care what you think. What bathroom you go to is how God created you. This week on Fox News, I was reading an article because I don't watch the news. Because it makes me so angry, I feel like I want to commit murder in my heart only. But uh, uh, there is an athlete that is a man that is swimming on the Penn State, excuse me, the Penn University swimming team and just been dominating the 100 and the 500 and whatever else swimming there is. As you look at me, I like to float. That's about it, all right? But uh, free willy is what they say when I get in the pool with my kids. But uh, just been dominating. But this week they went up against Harvard or some other school, and I don't understand all those fancy places, but he got beat. And the article was about how it was such a wonderful thing that, a, that one man beat another man in a woman's swimming event. I said, it's not amazing. It's just the way it is. But yet the Bible says you were fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, I don't say this to, my, to mock people that are doing that because whatever is going on in their heart and mind is wicked. And we should pray for them that God will save them, that the Holy Spirit will convict them. And one of these days when they get up out of that pool, that the Spirit of God would convict them and say, this is wrong, this is sinful, and I need Jesus. That's my prayer. But friends, we have to be willing to stand up and to declare that this is wickedness. It's sin, and it is destroying lives and families. 
It's time for God's people to wake up and stand up and speak up. But there in verse 3, look what it says. Remember therefore how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, and then listen to the warning, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You see, tonight there's a warning for the wicked. There's a wake-up call for the disciples. And third and finally tonight, there is a witness and a work for the faithful. The witness and the work of the faithful. Look what it says in verse 13 this evening. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I am? The son of man? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah are one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Tonight, if you cannot say that, you are lost. Tonight, if you cannot say the reason that you are going to go to heaven is because Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died upon the cross for your sins and for mine, and you have accepted Him by faith as the Lord and Savior of your life. Verse 17 goes on to say, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus, the Christ. Now, I want to take just a minute because verses 17 through 20 are some of the most challenging and confusing and misused verses in the Bible. Peter has acknowledged that he is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Do you notice here that he is asking what people say about him? He doesn't ask what people think or what people feel. He says, what do they say about me? Who do they say that I am? And in verse 15, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? I think this is important tonight because we believe that confession is made with a mouth. You cannot be a secret believer in Jesus Christ in a freedom of religion country. You might have to work on keeping your religion and faith in Jesus Christ secretive in China. You might have to, in order to do ministry, be very quiet about your faith in Pakistan. But here in this country, there is no biblical excuse to not pronounce your faith in Jesus Christ. And I hear it all the time. Pastor, I've given my heart and life to Jesus, but I'm not willing to tell anybody. I don't want anybody to know. And it's usually followed up with this. And tonight, if this is your excuse, I'm sorry. It is not to be cruel to you. I don't want to cause anyone else to stumble. What do you mean? Well, I'm still a a struggling mess. You know, what if I come to church and make a profession of faith and get baptized? Then I lose my temper at a ball game and say something I shouldn't. Well, I've been to church with enough 10 milers. You'll be right there in good company. No, I'm just kidding. 
Well, maybe, what if I, what if I get saved and get baptized and, and something happens and I slip back into a, a night of party with my old friends and there's pictures of me on the internet? It happens. You say, well, well preacher, what if, what if I get saved and, and, and tell everybody and get baptized and then I'm not the husband I'm supposed to be? I don't want to cause anyone else to stumble. And what I can tell you this tonight is I believe there are some people that genuinely believe that. They do. But most people, that's just an excuse. You see, the Bible says that you cannot be controlled by fear. And so whatever your fear is, you've got to overcome it through the power of Jesus Christ. And so if it's your marriage, your mouth, your going places, you have to come to Jesus and confess him as Lord and watch how the Holy Spirit can work. Now, we need to be reminding people, though, that we still struggle with sin. But I believe the greatest problem the church in America has is we have forgotten what righteousness is. We have forgotten that God calls us, that we are not righteous on our own, but that we are to live obedient Christian lives. And as we do that, we don't look down on those who stumble, but we walk alongside beside those that stumble and remind them that God has not done with them. God did not save them for defeat. God did not save them to destroy them. God saved them to use them. I will never forget this as long as I live, and I've told this story, but when you're here 10 years, you don't have so many stories. I gave my life to the Lord, rededicated my life to Him on Christmas morning in a church service on a Sunday, and uh, I'll never forget, I, I was ready to conquer the world that afternoon. Went back to work, and... and uh, and uh, had quit all the stuff that I was going to do. I was talking different. I was acting different. I was trying to live different. And uh, that went on real well for about two months. And then some of the guys that I worked with on midnight said, hey, we're going to stop by the Spot Tavern on the way home from work. You don't have to drink. You can just sit in there and fellowship and play pool. And I thought, well, that's not a problem. That's wonderful, right? I missed the fellowship, right? Because I don't know if you know this, most 22-year-old guys that give their life to the Lord and are not married, Look around at the crown tonight. They don't fit in real well. Right? It's kind of like a, uh, like a pimple on prom night. It just don't seem like it belongs there, right? And so I said, sure, I can go there, and I'll never forget. I left there a mess. Well, I thought, that's it. It'll never happen again. It won't happen again. About two months later, it was my birthday, March 25th. And I don't remember what year it was, but it was whatever year it was. Friend said, hey, Jake. Come on out, hang out with us. It's your birthday. You don't have to drink. You don't have to do anything. I said, I've got it this time. I'm going to put on my black T-shirt with red lettering that had Revelations chapter 1 on it. I said, I got my Christian T-shirt on, got my Christian hat on. This won't be an issue tonight. Those things will protect me from the temptation of sin. Look up here. A Christian shirt carrying your Bible or even having a keychain is not the power of the Holy Spirit, all right? And I walked in there that night, it went real well, right? Not going to touch it, not going to look at it, not going to be a part of it. And someone said, well, you know, the Bible says it's not wrong to drink, it's just wrong to get drunk. And I disagree with that, by the way. I said, you know what, that's a good idea. I'll just have one, won't be an issue, right? Four hours later, what are they doing? Making fun of me for my t-shirt. But it is a wonderful thing, I met my wife that night. That's a whole other story for a whole other day. And uh, she can tell you that one. 
And I'll never forget that next morning thinking, I just met the woman of my dreams. But you know what bothered me even more? Was my witness that I had ruined. Thankfully, that was it. 12 years later, 13 years later, 14 years later, whatever it is, not had a drop. I've not, I've not always been a great witness <laughs> in other areas. But I'll never forget the first time I got to lead one of those people to the Lord that were there that night. Never forget it as long as I live. And you know what he said? As I sit at his house with my Bible open, that very same house, <laughs> by the way, that that second event had taken place of. He said, this is a little different than the last time you were here. Seven years, I'd been too embarrassed to go around anybody that I used to know. I said, you're right. But thankful that God does not give up on us, even after we're saved. Amen? That doesn't mean, though, it was right. That doesn't mean that it was okay. But yet, tonight, I want you to know that God's people need to be bold about their faith. They need to witness. They need to live out their faith. But he goes on here and says, in verse 17, as we finish quickly here tonight, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Tonight, I believe that the conviction of the Holy Spirit Drawing a lost person to be saved is not a work of man. It is a work of God. You can pray for people. You can share the truth to them. But it is the Holy Spirit who convicts. It is the Holy Spirit who works and moves in someone's life tonight. A faith that is based upon the words of a preacher. Now, I believe there is nothing wrong with giving invitations. I believe there's nothing wrong with giving people the opportunity to be saved. I believe you see that at the day of Pentecost when thousands of people are saved. But it is the conviction of the Holy Spirit that draws people and saves people and changes people. And you say, Jake, what about people that come for the wrong reasons? That is between them and God. But I'm not going to hinder people who are coming. That's between them and the Lord. It goes on here and says in verse 18, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I want you to know tonight that the Catholic Church has taken this doctrine and believed that the papacy, the Pope, is that person that has descended from Peter, that they are in charge of the church. And the Catholic Church's teaching up until just very recently was, if you are outside of the Catholic Church, you are outside of the true faith. But yet, what we see here is that if you think about it like this, is the best explanation I have ever heard, is that Peter is a rock. If you see this in the original language, but yet the main part of the rocks are in a rock Corey. And so Peter is one rock that is going to be used by God, just like all believers, to take the gospel to the ends of the world, to, to preach the good news of Jesus. But he is just one of many, and that Jesus is the rock. Jesus is the one that the church is bound upon. It is not bound upon a man. It is not bound upon a person or an office. And this is literally a symbol of authority. That God's people have the authority to agree in heaven what is already being done in heaven. God does not respond to your demands and to mine. And so how does this work from a biblical standpoint? I'm glad that you asked because I really wanted to share this. 
when this word is proclaimed in every setting, it is putting you in agreement with heaven. If you believe what the Bible says about marriage, you are agreeing with what is going on in heaven. If you believe what this book tells you about salvation, it is you agreeing with what is believed in heaven. When you read the first chapter of Genesis and believe in the creation account, according to this book, what you are doing is agreeing with heaven. Your authority comes from him, not from you. And you'll see that sometimes in things like excommunication and the denial of communion and things like that. And it is because there is a belief that the church is the final authority. And truly the final authority is the word of God. It is the word of God that is established in this book. And so look what it says here in verse 20. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Jesus, the Christ. You say, wait a second. That's not a witness. You just told preacher not to keep it secret. Well, what we know is this. For whatever reason, Jesus was still waiting to reveal this truth. I don't know why. I don't understand it all. But that is the purpose and plan of God. But what he tells us is that we are to go into all the nations and preach the good news now. And so if Jesus told them to wait, that command to wait no longer applies to us. Because he has given us a command at the big end of the book of Matthew to go preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. And I have one verse tonight I want to read, one passage I want to read from 1 John chapter 5. Apparently I've been letting you out too early on Sunday nights for the Awana worker. So I've got one more verse tonight I want to share with you. In 1 John chapter 5, starting in verse 1, it says, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. You cannot acknowledge Jesus without being born again. And everyone who loves him, who begot also loves him, who is begotten of him. If you are born again, bought, begotten of Jesus, you will love him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we have kept his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. If you want to know if you are growing as a Christian, the commands that used to bother you no longer bother you. So if God used to say, flee from youthful lust, and you used to want to pursue youthful lust, the longer you are saved, that shouldn't be burdensome anymore, but it should be a blessing. The Bible says, be angry and sin not, used to be a burden. And it still is, I'll be honest with you. But the longer we're saved, that's no longer a burden, because it has set me free from the anger that controls me. Look what it says in verse 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And don't miss this tonight. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Peter said it, you are Christ, the Son of God. And John writes in the end of the book, if you want to know what victory is, if you want to know what it means to overcome, it is by believing and knowing that Jesus is the Son of God. Friends, you cannot be a winner. You cannot be victorious. You cannot be an overcomer unless you know Jesus. You say, Jake, you call lost people losers? Absolutely not. Because we're all sinners. But tonight, you cannot have victory. You cannot have peace. You cannot have joy 
unless you first know Jesus. And so tonight, I want you to know that whether you are in the wicked category, whether you are in the asleep category and need to wake up, or tonight you're in the I'm ready to witness and work, know that God is ready for you. God can forgive you if you're in the wicked stage. God can give you the call to wake up or God can put you to work tonight. The question is, will you respond? You can leave here tonight and say, Jake, that was another Sunday night sermon, I, uh, but I'm good. I appreciate that and leave the same way you came. Or tonight you can say, you know what, I've, I've been guilty. I've been guilty of coasting in my walk with the Lord. Maybe tonight you're here saying, Jake, I'm ready. I'm ready to attack hell with a water pistol. That's how excited I am for what God is doing. Or tonight maybe you're hearing a conviction set in that you don't know Jesus. Tonight he came, he lived, he died to set you free, to change your life. And tonight wherever you're at, if you come to him, he will forgive you and he will make it all like it should be. Tonight, would you pray with me as you stand and Jamie and Janice comes. Father, tonight I come, Lord, thankful for the privilege to share from your word. Lord, I pray that I have preached it honestly and, Lord, with clarity. And Father, if I have offended you in any way, I ask for your forgiveness. Tonight, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would begin to work and move in the lives of people. Lord, starting with those that are saved. Lord, I pray that you would convict them of having a passionate love for you. Lord, to love you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord, to love you with everything they are. Father, tonight I pray for those who have just grown cold or kind of gone through the motions or not considered the cost. Tonight, Lord, you'd wake them up and give them a passion for the loss that are around them, for the truth of their home and in the situations they go to. But Father, tonight I pray for those here tonight that don't know you. Lord, that have hardened their hearts, who have said no to your conviction, that tonight, Lord, would be the night. They would leave here with not a maybe faith, with not, no faith, but tonight, Lord, that you would save them. Lord, I pray for those people who act religious tonight, Lord, but are lost and know it. Lord, I pray for those tonight that are lost and won't acknowledge it, that you will forever change them for your glory. And so, Father, I give you all the praise and the honor and the glory tonight. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, as you have been listening to this sermon, Maybe you have been thinking, the Holy Spirit's been working, that I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. Please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you, pray with you with whatever's going on in your life. Or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please, reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.